And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's a Friday afternoon. It's a beautiful day and it's time to welcome along to the studio, as always at this time on a Friday, from Envision Financial, Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How are you doing? It's a sunny one, isn't it? It's a beauty. You should be Love out it. on the golf course, shouldn't well, you? Well, I actually said to somebody, yeah. I was very upset I needed to do their application at one o'clock, but... <laughs> What yeah, can you, do? you could be you could be a bit breezy though. The ball mm. might not go in a straight line. Correct, very much so. <laughs> not the way I hit him anyway. <laughs> I, I'm so bad, the breeze might actually help me. <laughs> well, it depends which way it's blowing, right? <laughs> exactly. So, here we are today to talk about mm. all things financial, and our topic this week is asset allocation, and uh, what exactly does balanced really mean when mm. we're talking about a balanced fund? Now, this mm. is a theme that we have touched on from yep. time to time, yep. but we. We want to take a bit of a closer look at it today. So what yep. is asset allocation and why is it important that people understand what they have in their fund? Well, I think the important thing in the context about today's conversation was the lead-in that we had from last week where ASIC is starting to look at the underlying investments of different opportunities in the marketplace and ensuring that they're true to label. And one of the biggest things that we find when people come in and talk about super is they measure the value or the the ability of a fund on two key things. One, what was the return, which yes. I can completely understand. The bottom line is the bottom line. Correct. And two, what does it cost? Well, of course. Again, and the bottom line is the bottom line. Correct. <laughs> That's right. Now, the important thing about today is about understanding how you get to that bottom line, but more importantly, understanding the amount of risk that you're taking on yeah. in getting that result that you think you may or may not want. And... I make the comment that I don't know what balance means anymore because when we talk about risk, we talk about asset allocation. And what we're referring to there is the different composition of assets with the money that you have invested in your fund. And I use the analogy regularly, if the speed limit's 100 and you're doing 40, then you have what we call a defensive portfolio where you're not that pro-risk if you mm-hmm. like, if that's even a term. Um, you want to be cautious. You think the world may end and you've got a lot of cash and fixed interest and that's a defensive risk profile. Yeah. The other end of that is a high growth risk profile where the vast majority of what your funds are invested in will be growth orientated, which means you could potentially take on more or less volatility or a change in value during good and bad times. And I'm finding at the moment that People are looking under the hood a lot more often than they were in light Mm. of what's happened with the pandemic and the way that a change in value made them feel in March, April and May when we saw values come down and then somewhat recover. Well, today I can tell you that uh, there was a little tweet issued at three o'clock in the afternoon. The share market just went straight down. Right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that tweet said that the President of the United States Trumpy. has COVID-19. Trumpy's got COVID-19. Exactly. So it, the, the ASX today finished at uh, uh, 1.4% down. Yeah. So not a huge impact, but no. still it, a noticeable drop-off at yep. that time in the afternoon. That's short-term stuff, of course. But the, the share market does give us a good example of the various different types of risk you're talking about here because yep. on the share market, you can choose from what's called blue-chip stocks, which mm-hmm. are generally pretty boring, well-established mm-hmm. companies, and you pretty much know what to expect. And at the yep. other end, you've got the speculative mining yep. companies. They've never dug an ounce of gold out of the ground, but you're hoping maybe one day they will. Yeah, and look, the tech sector is another good example of high levels of volatility at the moment. We've seen five or six tech companies in America become a very large portion of the US index, and we've seen them run very, very, very hard over a number of months. And 
in days where you've seen significant swings in America, it's because profit or a change in value in those four or five companies has been undertaken. And that's really what we're trying to get to here is about understanding the risk that you're taking on. And when I say I don't know what balance means anymore, for me as an advisor, I look at balance like a seesaw. You sit on one side, yes. I sit on the other side. And judging by uh, I think that would probably be fairly <laughs> balanced. It would be, be, be fairly flat, and that for me is 50% growth yep. and 50% defensive. So yep. when I structure a balanced portfolio, that's the composition of the underlying assets that we have. We have 50% that are going to grow, mm. which could be Australian shares, property, infrastructure, international. And then we have the defensive side, which could be fixed interest, term deposits and defensive assets. So yeah. we're, we're managing our risk. When we talk about a growth asset and a defensive asset, though, somebody's got to decide who puts what investments into which basket. And so, mm. you know, Westpac, you say, oh, that's obviously a defensive one because it's a banking stock. You know, it's going to be fairly solid, fairly reliable, but mm-hmm. it may not be. It might be more risky than you think. Well, that for, there's a good example. That would be on the growth side because it would be classified as an Australian equity mm. and you would hold those for strong, fully franked income, which people have done for many, many years and done very well out of. But you have to understand that you are taking on an element of risk in light of the Royal Commission and now the pandemic and where we've seen significant values, yeah. um, well, a significant change in value, which can upset some people depending on how you feel when you lie in bed at night. And that, for me, is the ultimate test. Yeah. And, and then, of course, there's different asset categories, aren't there? I mean, shares generally correct. are more risky than certain other types of investments. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that the thing I want to try and stress today to people is have a look under the hood and try and understand what your balanced fund, regardless of who you're with, actually holds and then think about that in relation to the analogy I use of if you're driving in a 100 zone, are you doing 140, are you doing 180 or are you doing 50 because Mm -hmm. you need to be comfortable with the composition. So what I did was I looked at a number of the larger industry funds just to give people an illustration of how balance can mean a number of different things. So if I rattle my way through some of these, The balanced option with Australian Super holds 77.5% growth assets. Now, compared to 50-50, that's far more aggressive. There's 27% more growth assets, which isn't good or bad. No, it's just whether or not it suits you. Exactly right. But if you've got more growth, then presumably that also means you've got more risk. So you might be more worried about it. Exactly. Now, if we bring that back to the start of the conversation, if you think you're running 50-50 because that's your assumption of balanced and you find out that you're running 77% or more, during good times, that was a great decision. During bad times, not so much. So the important thing here for the listeners is understand the speed at which you're driving your car. Some other examples I have here are Care Super, 82% growth assets, MTAA, 78% 78% growth assets. Host Plus Index Balance Fund, 75% growth assets. Now, they are all very different to 50% defensive and 50% growth. Yeah, That's not to say that any of those are good, bad, or indifferent. What I'm just illustrating here is that if you think you're driving the car doing 100 in a 100 zone and you've got 82% growth assets, which means you could be doing 140 or 150 <laughs> You're in for a very rude shock when something like March comes along 
because yes. you have a much higher allocation. If a kangaroo to, hops out in front of you, you're in all sorts of bother. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, the other thing people should look at when they, they go under the hood of their super fund is have a look at the other bucket. Yeah. Because if you go in and log into these funds, as I did, you know, to get these figures, it's easily attainable. It's not difficult to follow. Um, but there's generally an other or an unlisted. Now, right. both options are neither good nor bad. But again, you need to understand what's in there because other could be credit funds, which are more volatile than term deposits. It could be an absolute return fund. It could be hedge funds. Uh, it could be unlisted assets. So it could be physical buildings. And, you know, Host Plus came under a lot of pressure during the March-April period because they hold a significant amount of unlisted assets. And their industry right. was one that was hit the most with people being out of work. And when the government opened the doors to getting ten dollars or $20,000 out to keep yourself going, they had some fairly serious liquidity issues because they may not have been able to sell down enough of their assets to be able to pay everybody out because of the unlisted nature of the investments that they hold. So there's nothing wrong with unlisted assets. But again, try and make an informed decision and understand what you hold because the last thing you want to be is surprised or disappointed because your interpretation of balanced isn't actually what you're holding in the underlying portfolio. Okay. In the current environment, though, isn't it a little bit tricky when you're trying to make a choice between growth and income where so many investments are not providing an income because interest rates are so low? And again, beautiful, beautiful illustration where you need to look and say, well, how many of these growth assets am I willing to take on in light of the fact that I can't get income? And one of the biggest things that has pushed equity markets or, or sustained them at the levels that they're at is we're not getting much in the way of cash term deposits. Um, so people are looking for other investment avenues, which is forcing them down yeah. the growth side, which may actually make some people uncomfortable. But the alternative is, well, I can't generate any income, so I don't want to eat into my capital. Exactly. So this is something that isn't set and forget. It's very much something that should be reviewed and, and, and kept up to date with. And in a changing environment, if we were to see interest rates move in the future, then you may divest yourself of some growth assets and hold more in the cash and fixed interest space in a similar manner to what would have been done before the GSC in 08 when yeah. you could put your money in a high interest bank account and earn 8%. So you didn't need to take a lot of risk on then because interest rates at the time were so high, people could yes. live on that, and yeah. they didn't need to buy the equities, the international, the infrastructure. So it's very much a case of what's happening at the moment, what's the economic environment, and then within the different asset classes, delving down into shares don't necessarily, as you said earlier, mm. shares don't necessarily mean to be risky because I think CBA is far less risky than a diamond mine in Uganda. Oh, absolutely. But technically, they're both shares. Yes, So absolutely. understanding the quality of what you're going to buy and what the composition of your broader portfolio is will then help you understand the income that you could expect to receive, the capital growth that you could expect to receive, or a downturn in the value if we were to see things repriced like we did in March. Yeah. But the important thing is to know that you're investing your money or – in my analogy, you're driving your car at a speed you're comfortable with. Because when I ask most people, if the speed limit's 100, how fast do you go? And I know there's a, there's a, there's a couple of uh, older ladies that I look after that say, 
it's minimum 120. <laughs> and fair play to you, that's awesome. Um, because they know how fast they're driving mm-hmm. and they understand that they may or may not still have the skills mm-hmm. to talk themselves out of a ticket should they get pulled over. Right. Um, but it's important that you understand that primarily <laughs> and not just look at, oh, this is the best balance fund in Australia. Yeah. Because if I've got a car and you've got a car and they're the same, and we're going down the road at the same speed, mm-hmm. being the same asset allocation, we should get there at a, at a similar time. Yeah. If I'm doing 140 and you're doing 100, there's no way I can beat you. So it's it's not about what, what car are we driving, it's how fast are we going, which is that underlying asset allocation. In a world where there's uh, a shortage of income-producing investments, mm. uh, have we reconsidered how we think about risk well, I think we need to review it and I think people need to consider two things. Why am I investing and what am I trying to achieve? Because for me, I find people want two things. Whether they're 25 or 75, people come in, sit down and say, I want a really good income stream to help fund my pension when I retire and I'd like some growth to offset inflation because I'd like to pass some money to the kids or I'd like my money to last as long as possible so I can live the way I want to live. Now, If we have a much higher allocation to cash and term deposits in the current environment, we're going to eat into our capital because we're not generating enough income. Similarly, if we have too much in the growth space, we could have much larger swings, both positive and negative, at a time where you may not have the time frame to let that recover. But I don't think that people need to jump to being overly cautious just because they're getting older. That's one thing we get a lot. I'm getting older now. I need to be more defensive. Mm. Yet they well, want income. Some people look growth. at it that way, but you know. Yeah. So if we look under the hood and we don't like what we see, is yep. it difficult or simple to change the asset allocation? And does it cost any extra to do that? No. So if you've got an advised portfolio, maintaining and reviewing your asset allocation is something that your advisor would be doing regularly, checking that you still feel that's okay, that's in line with what you want, the income's appropriate, the growth is at a point where you know you understand what's happening in the market. If you're in an industry fund, then it's just a case of going on and looking at the different asset allocations and finding something that may be closer to 50-50 or from, from more defensive to more aggressive, but understand what you're buying into. Some of these funds will run very, very high allocations of international assets, which can be more volatile and provide less in the way of income distributions because that's the attribute of that sector. So you can go in, log into your super fund, look at the various options that'll be there. Depending on the fund you're in, there could be two, there could be four, there could be 50. And have an understanding. If you want to keep it nice and simple, use a generic option that gives you a breakdown of, okay, how many are growth? And that could be the Australian shares, the property, the infrastructure, uh, the international equities. And then on the defensive side, you'll have credit, you'll have term deposits, cash, and fixed interest. So they're the two sides. If you can tally those up to something close to 50-50, for me, you'll be running a more appropriate balanced option by name and then by design. Um, But it's important that you can just log in. And each investment option will have a different fee structure. It should be clear in the product disclosure statement or on the website that you log into. They'll generally give you a table of all of the various options and what they cost. And they won't be significantly different if you're only making small changes on either side of the risk profile.
And today we're asking what exactly does balanced really mean when we're talking about a balanced fund? So uh, we've covered a fair bit of territory today, Luke, but uh, what should people be considering when reviewing asset allocation? So I think if I had to make a list, which surprisingly <laughs> Strangely enough, enough, we strangely have, enough here's I've one we one prepared here. earlier. Exactly. <laughs> um, understand your breakdown of equities, international investments and property because they'll have different percentage weightings and try and make sure that you don't have a significant over allocation of 40% or more in any one asset. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but understand what you're holding so you're not surprised. Uh, find out what other means because there may be some asset allocation entries that say private equity or other, because that could be absolute return fund, that could be hedge funds, it could be geared funds, it could be a number of things. Um, Know why you're investing in what you've got and make sure that you're driving at a speed that you're comfortable with. And if you need to change it, go in and look at some of the other options and select one that you feel could be closer to how you feel, not how your friends feel, not how your mum feels, not how the ladies at work feel, it's how you feel because that sleep test is is very, very important. That then takes me to avoid the surprises because you will be very surprised in a downward market that you have an overexposure to growth assets that have come yeah. under significant pressure. So because, surprised but not in a good way. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Um, there's, there's more than one way to value a fund and it shouldn't be on its return and its costs you really need to look under the hood. If you're going to try and compare something, you do very well to compare asset allocations first and not look at, well, here's what this fund did over the last 12 months. Because if they're driving at 140 and Mm. you're driving at 100, you couldn't have beaten them anyway. So it's not a fair comparison to just measure them on their name. Look at the asset allocation, add up the growth assets, add up the defensive assets, see what that percentage mix is from 100 and Pick a strategy that's appropriate for you so that you can make an informed decision. Although you've said don't just look at performance, but surely I know we always hear the caveat, perform, past performance is not a guarantee of future results. But at the same time, mm. what else do we have to judge by? We've got to look at the performance, haven't well, we? Well, you can, but again, at what amount of risk are you taking on mm. to get that performance? You know, that's okay. the important thing. That's, that's what people can take away from today. Understand the amount of risk you're taking on for the balanced name that you're seeing in your investments. And if you feel that it's appropriate, stay where you are. If it's not, either take it up or take it down, but understand how fast you're driving your supercar so that you can try and get to the destination without too many tickets and too many crashes. Indeed. (laughs) And if you're driving down that motorway at 180 kilometres an hour, just be careful about that kangaroo that's going to leap out in front of you, particularly around about dusk. It's going to be... uh... Well, it's the difference between a write-off and a fender bender, right? (laughs) It's going to end in tears. That's what your retirement could look like. For all concerned, yeah. Correct. Well, I know you like to keep coming back to that same metaphor, but it is quite a colourful one, isn't it? Mm, It is. It's (laughs) exciting. Absolutely is. (laughs) Well, now, we've covered a fair bit of territory here today, so if uh, people would like to get more information about asset allocation and what is and is not a balanced fund, where do people go for more information? So pop in, have a cup of tea, 62604749. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au. You can go to the website and and join the Knowledge Centre for free, and there's a library of information that talks about exactly this sort of stuff. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker, Luke Talks Money on iTunes and on Spotify, and the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra. So if you subscribe to that, you can take the video out of this, pause it. We've got the keynotes before and after the ad breaks, and you can use that as something as a reference point to write down what you need to look for when you're on the website of your super fund, checking out what you've got. So 
it's a few different ways to, to come at it. Absolutely. And we've got, what have we got, three cameras in That's here it. again. So you've got one there pointing at That's me it. every time I scratch my beard. It's going to come up on the video that you can see on, um, <laughs> on YouTube. Exactly. I hope I didn't do anything even worse than scratching my beard. Uh, it's one of those things that you just sometimes don't think about. And go Raiders. Oh, yes, absolutely. Up the go milk. Go Raiders. <laughs> go the Raiders. Go the Raiders. Luke, thanks very much. We'll catch you again next Friday. Pleasure. See you Friday.